final Vikings drive of the game. It was 14 plays, 62 yards, 8.42 was left on the clock in the fourth quarter. The drive ended with 26 seconds left. But it says a lot about the Vikings running game to be able to drain the clock. And I think a lot of this has to be attributed to Alexander Madison. Hello and welcome to the newest edition of the Minnesota Vikings podcast. This is your fill-in host, Chris Corso of Vikings.com. And Mike Wabshaw is out this week, so we had to step in with two people to fill the big void that was left by Wabi, and that's producer Jay Nelson. Hello. And team reporter Eric Smith, who actually has a lot of ties to this week's opponent, the Kansas City Chiefs. I do, guys. How you doing? Good to see you. This week we have a jam-packed episode. The Vikings are on a four-game winning streak. What a win for the team on Thursday Night Football at U.S. Bank Stadium. We're going to recap that. We'll have some sound from under center with Kirk Cousins, where Cousins brings you inside the Vikings locker room and how they're feeling right now, which is pretty darn good. Um, we will also hear from the fellas at Good Morning Football who have a lot to say about Kirk Cousins Um, and the way he's been playing as of late. Kyle Brandt is his number one fan and was a guest on Under Center this week. Kyle Brandt is a character and has a lot in common with our quarterback. Let's move forward to the Kansas City Chiefs, who are this week's opponent. We'll have a Know Your Opponent segment with Eric Smith, who will bring all the news and notes from the Kansas City Chiefs, and we'll finish off with a top five segment which, what are we doing this week, Jay? We're going with top five defenses in the NFL in the first half of the year at this point. Uh, I think there's a lot of debate. There's a lot of good teams, and there's a lot of defenses that are definitely making a splash this year. Yeah, and the Vikings are in that top five list, I hope. They are for me. They are for me. <laughs> they are for and, me, too. Uh, there you go. Then we will actually, there's one more thing. We'll finish off with a fan voicemail segment, which the question was, who is the Vikings' next member of the Ring of Honor? If it was up to you, the fan, we have three different choices for that. But up first, let's just quickly recap that win on Thursday night. The Vikings defeated the Washington Redskins 19-9. to Eric, you were in the building. You took it in. What are your initial takeaways from the Vikings' victory? Yeah, I think once again, uh, an impressive performance from the offense. Maybe not the point total we've seen in the last month or so, but the yards were there. Over 400 yards of offense for the fourth consecutive game. Uh, A little bit of struggles in the red zone and kind of near inside the 30-yard line. You know, Dan Bailey came up big with those four field goals. Um, I thought Dalvin Cook looked great, as always. 171 yards of total offense. Uh, Kirk was efficient, you know, 23 of 26. Um, I think two of those incompletions were throwaways, you know, so he, he was on point. I mean, he didn't have the touchdown numbers like, like we've seen. And I thought the defense played well. You know, only holding Washington to nine points is pretty impressive. Granted, that was against two quarterbacks. Obviously, Case Keenum only played the first half, and then he got a concussion. And then uh, Dwayne Haskins came in. But, yeah, overall, I mean, short week. I think you, you kind of do what you have to do to get the win when you only get a couple days of rest and you get a little mini buy and off and running here for the second half of the year. Kirk Cousins was 23 of 26 for 285 yards, a passer rating of over 112. Um, Stephon Diggs had seven receptions, 143 yards. Man, he had a big day. It was really cool to see Cousins just completely pinpoint his wide receivers throughout the game, going against his former team. We knew how much this game meant to him, and you can tell how much this game meant to him when you hear him coming out off the field after the big win. Fourth straight win here, 10 points, 19-9 to over the Redskins. You know who's fired up. You know who likes that. It's Kirk Cousins. There he is there getting the fans fired up here in Minnesota. Yeah, that was him coming off the field. You could hear him in the background screaming. He was very excited in the moment. I mean, it had to mean a lot to him to beat his former team, the Washington Redskins, Jay. Yeah, I think so, too. The the narrative, at least for the week, was between he and Case, they want to beat the team that they were formerly with. And the thing about Kirk is it always feels like at this point, fans really love it when they see him actually playing with passion. They see him fired up and they see him actually kind of vocalize that or at least, you know, physically showing those kind of emotions Uh, to the fans and to his teammates, and it just kind of shows everybody that he cares. I think everybody knows when you get to the NFL at this level, you better care and you better be in 100%. And I think when we've seen this last four-game win streak that we've had so far, a lot of what people have pointed to is just saying it feels like he's a lot more 
kind of cold-blooded and a lot more fired up when it comes to the way he plays. Like you said earlier, Eric, he had two throwaways and the third pass that he didn't complete was literally off of Delvin Cook's hands. So right. it, yep. it was one of those things. Everything that he was throwing was pinpoint on what he wanted, and he knew he was decisive, and he's actually hitting everything that he's trying to complete. And it's been just awesome to watch this last four-game stretch and to see him just go cold-blooded and take out other defenses that were playing every single week. In the four-game stretch, he's 91 of 116, 78.4%. Over 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns, one interception, which wasn't his fault. I mean, he is just playing through the roof. Um, on under center this week, he took us into the Vikings locker room. You could say there was maybe a little dysfunction at an earlier point in the season. I think it's safe to say that dysfunction is gone at this point. We all know it's a business at the same time. Uh, how fun is the locker room when yeah. you're winning? What, what's the personality like? You know, it's it's... I've always said winning cures all wrongs. And so if you have dysfunction in a locker room, but you're winning, there's no dysfunction. And vice versa. If you have a pretty healthy locker room, but you're losing, they're going to find dysfunction. And so uh, winning just, it just changes the whole tenor of the season. I mean, it's fun to come into work. The days don't feel long. Uh, You love the grind. Um, You know, you build that brotherhood. And uh, you, you make memories, great memories. And you look back on the season just saying, boy, that was the best of times. And so it's all about winning. It changes everything. And, um, and so we got to you know, find a way to keep it going because six and two, especially these last four weeks, you know, feels pretty good. And you know, let's, let's keep it going. So from an X's and O's standpoint, Eric, what are you seeing from Kirk? He said on the show, he's like, nothing really has changed. I prepare the same way. We game plan the same way. I work with the coaches the same way. But what have you seen on the field that's kind of contributed to his success in the past four games? Yeah, I think he's taking more deep shots. I mean, you saw that, you know, he's going deep to to Diggs and Thielen. Um, You know, Irv Smith is kind of getting involved on those 20-plus yard plays. I think he's right in the fact that he's preparing the same way. They're just making more plays right now. You know, I think uh, we got to give a lot of credit to offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski. I think his play calling has been really good. Um, There's times where you go back and look, and he's almost setting up the offense with run plays, pass plays, and kind of showing them one thing on this play, and then it looks the same, but then the next time they, they run that formation, it's something different and people are wide open down the field. I think Kirk is spot on, though, what he said about kind of winning cures all. I think the frustration after week four was just the fact they were 2-2, two and two, and they felt like they could have been 3-1 and one or even 4-0. and oh. I mean, those, those losses, you know, the loss in Green Bay was frustrating. The loss in Chicago was probably even more frustrating. And when you add in the fact that those are two NFC North opponents, that just compiles and, and adds to the frustration, knowing that they're so close to winning those games. Um, yeah, I think he's right. Winning cures all, and uh, we'll try to keep it going here in the next eight games. So the Vikings offense curr- currently ranks fourth in the NFL with 396.5 yards per game. Um, Stephon Diggs is on a tear as well, 452 yards over the past three games. Uh, that's bit higher than any Vikings total in the history of the team breaking Randy Moss's record. So um, you can just go down the list and, and continue on on seeing all the statistics on most of the players on offense. Um, Adam Thielen didn't even play in this game, so we forget about that, Jay. I mean, that's unbelievable. The the quarterback still had all this success in the game. That's the thing. I just think it shows the balance. You know, Eric definitely touched on that too, and and I know Wobby's been harping on it for the last how many weeks at this point, talking about the biggest thing that we want to do on offense is balance and try to do that 50-50 run pass. And Stefanski makes no, you know, he doesn't hide it at all when he says, the whole thing we're trying to do at this point is keep them guessing, keep them off balance, do the whole thing where it looks like a run play, and then you you know throw the 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 bomb to Diggs in order to try to seal the game in the previous week, and then this past week when it came down to it at the end of the game, especially you know we had 8:42 left in the game and they just went on a 14 play, 62 yard, literally rushing every single play drive just to eat the clock, and I think part of the reason why you had. The field goal stuff, yes, the field goals when it comes to other games uh, with high-powered offenses, you're going to want to make sure that you're punching in those those red zone uh, scores for touchdowns and not field goals because that can, can bite you when you don't want it to happen. But I think what it showed for us was I think defensively they said, we know we have a rookie quarterback that we're going against at this point and we trust our defense in order to kind of take over this game. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to run the ball as much as possible and bleed the clock when we know we have a 10-point lead. Yeah, you mentioned trusting the defense. I think that was very evident by the fact that the Vikings went for it on 4th and 1 at their own 34. 
I mean, if, if you don't trust your defense, you're, you're probably, Coach Zimmer's probably not making that call. You're right. That's a trust thing where he's going, I think we can handle this at this point, even if we don't get it. He assumes we're going to get it. I think most people assumed we were going to get it. And when we didn't, it was kind of like, all right, that's a that's a definite kind of pickle you can put your defense in if you do that too much. Um, I don't probably foresee that going forward very much, but uh, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I think going back to the offense real quick, a phrase we've heard, you know, even from I feel like January, February, all off season was that the Vikings want to marry the run game and the pass game, and I think that means kind of be balanced, like you said, but make everything look the same. I mean, if you noticed on the play actions in the boots, you think that Dalvin's getting the ball on the handoff, and the, and the defense thinks the same thing. They get sucked in, and all of a sudden Kirk is rolling out. He's got 15 yards of open space to find a guy wide open. It's so much easier to play that way when you have time, you know, and, and you have maybe two seconds, which isn't a lot of time, but you have two or three seconds to figure it out rather than, a half second or one second, and that just makes it so much easier for Kirk to make those those throws. I have two more points before we wrap up this game. One of them is a play early, early on in the game where Kirk Cousins rolled out and ended up scrambling for like a two-yard gain. Now, it was a two-yard gain, so not much to talk about there. But if you looked at the scoreboard in like the second quarter, it showed that he ran for 19 miles per hour or something like that. And this is substantial because it was like the second highest speed that was tracked in the entire game, and it was tied with Dalvin Cook's highest speed in the game. And that was on the next-gen stats. We brought it up on under center with Kirk Cousins, and Kirk actually said that like when he got pushed by the defender that it kind of sped him up, and that might have been what added like five miles per hour. If I'm Kirk Cousins, I'm saying I'm a 19-mile-an-hour quarterback. At that's this that's point. what yeah, he said. you got to own that. I'm like, yeah, forget no. it. I'm taking it. I know <laughs> – there's a, probably some uh, scientific explanation, but at the same point, if I'm him, I'm like, uh-uh, and I'm just owning that as, as part of uh, who I am as an athlete at this point. Well, he's made a lot of jokes about Fran Tarkington and trying to be more of a scrambler and, and this and that. Uh, seven, 19 miles per hour, I don't know if those next-gen stats are a little off in U.S. Bank Stadium, but um, he'll definitely take it. And the last thing I want to touch on is the final Vikings drive of the game. It was 14 plays, 62 yards, 8.42 was left on the clock in the fourth quarter. The drive ended with 26 seconds left. At that point, the Vikings were already up 10 points, but it says a lot about the Vikings' running game to be able to drain the clock, and I think a lot of this has to be attributed to Alexander Madison, who is the second, the, the backup running back behind Dalvin Cook. He goes overlooked, but he, at, when the defense is tired at the end of the game, he seems to have the size and, and the speed to just pretty much take it to them. So it was it was amazing to see what Alexander Madison did in that game. Yeah, and I think uh, something that was talked about in the locker room after that game was when you get in the fourth quarter and, you, and the Vikings have been running the ball successfully all game, the other defense is frustrated. You know, they, they are frustrated to say the least. And they, they don't like to get hit and, and blocked and cut for, for 60 minutes all game long. And then when you do it to them 14 plays in a row – you know by play 8, 9, 10, they are PO'd. They are mad. And I think you've seen that with the offensive line. They like that mentality. There's been a little bit of jawing at the, at the end of the last few games, you know, where the offensive line, you know, the, the opposing D-line is kind of getting mad. And the, and the, the Vikings offensive line is like, what? We're, we're, we're running it. You know, it's working. As, as an old and very, very brief college lineman, uh, it's one of those things that that is what you want. You want to have that happen where you're going, all we want to do is impose our will on these guys and make them break and make them cry uncle. Because that feeling, especially late in the game, if you're an offensive lineman and you know you're getting three, four, five yards per push on every single play with these guys, and let alone busting a big one like Madison you know, had a couple of them, especially that 28-yarder late in the game. Those feel awesome and you just have a grin ear to ear the whole time and you see those guys with their hands on their hips and they're just sitting there feeling like, when is this going to stop? And the answer is, it's not. It's going to stop when the clock stops, and until then, we're going to do this to you every single play. That is demoralizing on a defense, and as an offense, it just makes you feel incredible. Yeah, and at the end of the game, Washington knows we're running it. We know that we're running it. The fan, everyone knows that we're, we're trying to run the clock out, and they still can't stop it. You know, I think that just showed the the, the grittiness, you know, of, of the O line.
and it's been fun to see that you know that growth over the last couple of years with these guys is to see some of the younger guys that are starting to really you know come into their own and the whole uh line loves to use the phrase you know pound the beef and kirk kirk's with them on this whole thing where he's talking about it and i think what that means to them though is we're going to impose our will on them and they can't stop us and that is what i think is going to make us a dangerous team, especially down the stretch when you have at least a two-headed running back, let alone you know Boone and Abdullah and those guys sitting in the wings as well. If something were to happen, we have weapons on offense, especially at running back, that, that can definitely take over a game if we have control of the scoreboard. The next thing we have to get to is a funny segment with Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football. And Kirk had Kyle on his show under center this week. And Kyle took it to another level by giving the Vikings Entertainment Network some love on NFL Network and promoting the show on their platforms. Guys, this is Kirk Cousins, done up Kurt Dirt style. That is a team nickname given to Kirk Cousins by his Vikings teammates. It's really something. What do we think? David Spade, Sheik, sort of. Who does great? I love it. Jamie Uh, Presley. Hello. Brittany Daniel. Um... We talk a lot of Kirk Cousins on this show, so it was a great opportunity that I got to actually talk to Kirk Cousins on his show. Okay. Kirk Cousins is a podcast under center with Kirk Cousins on Vikings.com, the Vikings app, a million different places. And um, we talk a lot about his lifestyle, the fatherhood, the, the, the camaraderie with the teammates. We got into that, and uh, Kyle Rudolph and I have really strong opinions about what Kirk Cousins should do with his car for the holiday season. This is the Under Center podcast with Kirk Cousins. Kirk, I am so glad I could squeeze you in. I'm in the middle of microwaving some dino nuggets uh, for the kids. We're going to have some grapes, watch a little Bob the Builder, then jump in the Grand Chevy Caravan, put on some sunblock, and go to soccer practice. That is eerily similar to what my life looks like these days. You know, the biggest challenge to that entire uh, evening you just uh, described yeah. is, is getting in and out of car seats. All right. Kirk, let's let's step into each other's office. So I can't get the buckle through. I can't get my knee in. So Brooke just takes over because I throw a fit. Yeah, good to know I'm not alone. You know, we had one of your teammates on Good Morning Football, and he started talking about your automobile. Will the Cousins family, from the day after Thanksgiving, will you have antlers and a red nose on your car oh my goodness you got to do it this is the so... irony is you're going to pull in in december and who are you going to pull up next to rudolph it's absolutely <laughs> perfect Kurt. he's the best we also got into whether the cousins family will have these stick figures in the back window of their car i will leave that undisclosed okay. we know he's a great guy we know he's a great dad and we, we have the same conversation all the time all right vikings won four in a row he's red hot they go to arrowhead this weekend it's a really big game let's do a quick state of the nation let's do a kirk cousin state of the nation are you in do you need to see more is this a playoff quarterback this year guys I'm in. You're in. I'm all the way in. And I said that I'm going to mention it every week, and this isn't a shot to Zach Brown. It's just a simple fact that he said it. I feel like the moment when Zach Brown called out Kirk Cousins when asked about yeah. playing the Vikings, he said he's the weakest link on the team. And ever since then, I just feel like personally, just watching as a fan from a distance and being a former Viking, he's playing with a little bit more of an attitude, a little bit more of an attitude. He's always been a nice guy. Yeah. And sometimes – just call it what it is. Nice guys finish last. Uh-huh. You got to have a little bit of nastiness to you. And there's nothing that disrespects a guy more than your own peers. The guys that you see as brothers calling you weak. And he's been playing opposite of that. What does Very this strong. mean you're in? You're in like they'll beat the Chiefs in Good Arrowhead? Without, what does that mean? What do you in? think, Nate? I mean that he's up for the big moments. Now we're not like, going to have the, the age-old question every week. Kirk Cousins has to win a big why game. Would, why wouldn't we? They beat the Redskins by 10 points in a game where he didn't throw any time. Like, where did he come out? All right. I he didn't need to. I come out with this. They play the Chiefs and Matt Moore, and I just saw Aaron Rodgers beat that. Like, yep. It's at 1 o'clock on Fox. Like, it's not a pr- – the following week. What, got? what is it? In Dallas. Okay. Sunday night football. Yeah, that's it. Alan Chris. That's the one. Okay, let's go. The following week, all right, the Broncos come down. And then it's Monday night football in Seattle. Like, those are the games. I, I, I love the fact he beat Case Keenum and Dwayne Haskins and the Redskins. But, Nate, for you to say, now I'm all the way in, I, that wasn't the reason I'm all the way. If you're all the way in over the body of work for what he's done, fine. But, like, l- let me 
personally, just wait a second before I say I'm all the way in because historically he struggles in primetime games. No doubt. And I feel like it's the movie Lemony Snickets. It's a series of unfortunate events. A movie for, I've never seen. Okay, that's fine. But it's, 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 listen, it's, it's, a, it's a series of unfortunate events that causes us to question Kirk Cousins, which is fine. But what I'm saying is, as of recently, this dude that I'm watching, he seems different to me. Mm-hmm. Same dad smile, different attitude in the heart because he's been questioned by everybody, including his own teammates. And I feel like he's responded not only to what's going on outside the locker room, which is somewhat easy to do, but responding to your own wide receiver saying, we need to hit the big shots. Steph, Stephon Diggs coming out and saying, I don't know if I want to be here. And then rallying all the troops. And I care less if he doesn't throw a touchdown. Dalvin Cook's cooking. Let him cook. Mm-hmm. The game when he has to step up and make a play, whether it's versus the Chiefs and Matt Moore, which he'll win, the next week versus Dallas, I feel like Kirk Cousins is a different man because of him realizing we're not laughing with him. There's a lot of people in this league that are laughing at him, and he's tired of it. I think the first thing Kirk Cousins would say, yeah, it's really nice having Dalvin Cook behind me, and that's a huge difference. I also think the Adam Thielen thing with the apology whatnot was a really important moment, not only in the season, in his career. And I remember when it happened, Peter, you said something. You said, you got to be who you are. You can't fake it. You can't be a fake tough guy. You can't be nice if you're not nice. We see a lot of quarterbacks who are not nice, and they don't try to be. I think Kirk Cousins is the guy who watches the film, apologizes to his receiver, and then he puts the antlers and the red nose on his minivan. I think that is him, and I think it's serving him well, and I think the Vikings are going to the playoffs with Kirk Cousins this year. I really do. I think they're going. I think them and the Packers are going to go. It's the middle of the season. I've seen enough. I love them. You think they'll beat the Cowboys this week after next? I do. I saw the Cowboys a week ago lose to Sam Darnold. I think they're going to lose to Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that one could go either way. It'll go a long way in my book to see what he does against It's not only the Cowboys. I'm with you on that. It's on the road, Mm -hmm. under the lights, with with Alan Chris on the call. Like, it matters. Those are the ones. I don't know about Thursday night against the Redskins at home is going to be what the slam dunk. He did it without Thielen. That's right. Schrager wants to see more. This is the Kirk Cousins experience bus. It also allows him coming on our show. I went on his show to check out the Under Center podcast with Kirk Cousins. Hating some It's negative. fantastic. That's fine. He Sorry. gets great guests. He had Tom Izzo on. He has a bunch of guys oh, from Michigan State. The episode premieres tonight. Head to Vikings.com for more info. Kirk, you're the man. Yeah, coming out of that, Kirk is one of those guys, I think, in the locker room, as you said, the first four weeks, it's not any kind of mystery at this point that there was some feeling out in the way things were going in the locker room. And once it came to the point where he was sitting down at the lineman here in our podcast, it was fun. It was fun with those guys to sit down and kind of see that relationship between them, the joking, kind of the the fun that the guys were having and getting a little bit looser with that kind of stuff. And the fact that not only has it gone from the locker room to now the podcast on Kirk's show to Good Morning Football and you're seeing guys like Kyle Brandt picking up on this kind of stuff, if you can have that kind of feeling as a group that there's this special bond with this group, I think it's a huge thing moving forward for this team and the success that they can have for the rest of the year. Yeah, and we've definitely seen that from the offensive line. And um, the Vikings obviously had that game on Thursday night, which means for a long weekend, which means for time off. Um, throughout the week on Monday, the Vikings actually, I think they had, during the weekend they had a holiday Halloween party where they're all dressing up. You could probably see some of those pictures on their Instagrams and stuff like that. Eric was also with a lot of the players on Monday evening um, where, where they had a Halloween party at the TCO Performance Center, but Eric covered the event and the community initiatives that the Vikings uh, took part in for Halloween. Yeah, pretty cool on Monday afternoon. Uh, Kirk actually surprised around 50 kids uh, at a party city here in Egan. And the kids are associated with a group called People Serving People, which is focused on families who are kind of transitioning from homelessness. Uh, so he surprised the kids at Party City and, and bought them all Halloween costumes. You know, they probably wouldn't have had costumes otherwise. And then they all got on a bus that came back here to Twin Cities Orthopedics Performance Center. And uh, they went trick-or-treating around the indoor practice facility. And the kids had a great time. Kirk had a great time. Uh, a couple of the linemen came out, offensive linemen came out to support. Uh, Brian O'Neill and, and Pat Elfine dressed up as Mario and Luigi, which is pretty neat. Uh, Dakota Dozier was Batman. So, yeah, it was great. You know, it was good for the kids. Um, you know, Kirk has a good heart, and people don't see that all the time. He, he's usually quiet with his community endeavors. Yeah, it was just good all, all the way around. So the Vikings have Tuesday off, and Wednesday they come back to the TCO Performance Center to prepare for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are one of the best teams in the AFC. Currently, uh, the past two games, they are without their starting quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, who has a tough knee injury where he dislocated his knee. There are questions on if he will play this week, but looking at the guy who's taken his place, it's longtime veteran and journeyman Matt Moore 
who actually has played pretty good the last two weeks against the Packers and the Broncos. Um, He's 34 for 56 with 384 passing yards and three touchdowns. Hasn't made too many mistakes, which is all you could ask for from a guy like that. There's going to be a big difference if Mahomes plays this game or Matt Moore plays this game. How do you see, um, Eric, how do you see the Vikings kind of preparing for this week with the differences in those two quarterbacks? Yeah, I think you have to prepare as if Mahomes is going to play. You know, he somewhat close to playing last week. I mean, he seems like he's rebounding very quickly from this knee injury. Uh, obviously, like you said, Chris, there's a much, much bigger difference if you're playing Mahomes or you're playing Matt Moore. I thought Matt Moore played great on Sunday night against Green Bay. I mean, who would have thought Aaron Rodgers and Matt Moore going toe-to-toe on national TV? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be, that's going to be a storyline all week to see, you know, what, how does the defense kind of prepare? Um, and, you know, not even that quarterback. The Chiefs have tons of weapons on offense, you know, and they have enough weapons where, you know, all Matt Moore's got to do is just get the ball in their hand and, and, you know, their offense is pretty, pretty explosive. We, we saw that on Sunday night too. Yeah. Looking at some of their weapons, Tyreek Hill at wide receiver. They have a bunch of young wide receivers. Miko Hardman was a draft pick they took early in the draft this year out of Georgia. He's another explosive wide receiver. And if you look at their backfield, I mean, they have like three or four options back there as well. And Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, who's their leading wide receiver at tight end. Um, Who are you going to stop, Jay? I think at this point, like you were talking about the difference between Mahomes and Moore at this point is essentially you have Moore who is the journeyman, but he's the veteran. So he's not going to get rattled. It's not going to be one of those things where he's going to be like, oh, no, what am I doing this week? He understands what it means to be in live action. And so if it's Mahomes, the thing that is hard with him is the elusiveness. And with Moore, you saw he got a little uh, tricky when he was having to do things like loft a tiny pass over the top to Travis Kelsey, who was wide open. But you saw the wheels turning for him and knowing where he's going to go. He tried to hit Tyreek Hill a couple times downfield, who was in double and even triple coverage at that point. But I think the biggest thing is, like what you guys said, there's a ton of weapons on this team. And what it's going to be is minimizing the amount of damage that they can do. It's like keeping these guys in front of you so Tyreek Hill doesn't burn you for a 65-yard touchdown pass. You can put pressure on a guy like Moore who's less elusive than a Patrick Mahomes is at this point. But it's taking all of those other weapons and just trying to put them in, you know, keep them accountable for it because you're going to get matchups where you have linebackers and D linemen and different guys like that just because of the scheme that they're going to be on there. And it's going to be a, a probably a bend but don't break attitude this week for the defense and making sure that once you take your shots and trying to get guys like Moore on a blitz or, you know, trying to put pressure on a guy like that, don't let them get comfortable and make them have to make plays. Um, where with Mahomes, it's almost kind of a trying to con- contain a quarterback who can hurt you with his legs. It feels like with more, it's going to be more take those chances when you can pressure-wise. Yeah, and I think one other thing to note about the Chiefs offense is that they are actually down a couple of starting linemen on the left side. And so I think that's where Everson would line up. He'd line up on the on the right side of the Vikings D-line. So that's a matchup to watch this week is, is Everson against uh, it's potentially a backup left tackle. Looking at the offense this season, 28.2 points per game for the Chiefs. That's fourth in the NFL. 392 total yards per game. That's fifth in the NFL. The passing yards, 309.5 per game. That's second in the NFL. So they're a pass-heavy offense. Um, let's move over to the rushing attack. LaShawn McCoy is back there, who we all know is a veteran. He's been around forever. He's not as as nimble and quick as he used to be, but he's definitely a, a chilling presence back there for the Chiefs. But there's a couple other young running backs that they have in the backfield as well, Eric. Yeah, they have two guys, uh, two Williams guys, actually. Damian Williams and then Daryl Williams. I think Daryl Williams is a rookie. Uh, Damian Williams is pretty good. Um, you know, he can he can run the ball. He can, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's kind of a, a dual-threat guy. Um, yeah, and they have McCoy back there. He kind of had uh, some fumbling issues. I mean, obviously he fumbled Sunday against the Packers. Um, but of course yeah. he did. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, but, yeah, they, they don't rely on the run quite as much as we do. I think that's, that's fair to say. Um, they're probably in the lower third in the league in rushing attempts. Um, you know, but when you have Mahomes, 
why not put the ball in his hands as much as possible? Yeah, good point. They're at 83 yards per game rushing, which is 26th in the league, so they're definitely more dependent on the pass game. Travis Kelsey is the one, like like we said, that leads the team with 42 receptions and 640 yards. When you're looking at a tight end like that, the Vikings have had some issues in the past covering guys like Zach Ertz and um, larger-sized pass catchers that cut across the middle of the field. Jay, how do you stop a big tight end like Travis Kelsey? I think a lot of times with those kind of guys, you got to get them early. you got to jam them at the line and try to not let them get those free releases, especially running up the seam. It just it feels like a guy with like Kelsey, you know, like you said, Ertz, Gronk, Kelsey, those kind of guys were the guys that were the big body guys, kind of like a Rudy who can get down the middle. You just kind of loft it up there in order for him to go get it. And they can make a play and make you hurt. The problem with Kelsey is when he gets lost in the wash, you know, we we saw that the other night where Kelsey just kind of got released out the middle and that was when Moore floated over the top. I, I think Kelsey is one of those guys. He's a personality. People know him. And part of it is because he makes big plays. And especially in the red zone area, if you can't get to Moore or Mahomes, whoever it's going to be, and you give them time to find Kelsey – they're able to try to see if they can just let him go up and get it to get his get his touchdown. Yeah, I think a good comparison is maybe what we saw a couple weeks ago with Zach Ertz against uh, Phil, against Philly. Um, you know, in that game, he had uh, four catches for 54 yards here against us, but it seemed like he didn't do a ton. You know, I mean, I think that was pretty quiet. And I think most of the time, the Vikings shadowed him or kind of bracketed him with double coverage. I know Harrison Smith was in, was involved on that a lot. You know, when you kind of put put a guy on him and then. Harry kind of lurking around. That, that might be the same strategy we use against Kelsey. Um, I mean, he's such an agile route runner. You know, he's just so quick and, and good out of his breaks. Looking over to the other side of the ball, the Chiefs defense. This is not one of the strong suits of their team. It hasn't been in the past. Um, the team is allowed 377 yards per game. That's 24th in the league. So they're they're kind of in the middle of the pack when it comes to a lot of the defensive statistics. What do you see, Eric, out of this Chiefs defense? Who are the key contributors and playmakers? Yeah, they're, they're kind of banged up on defense as well. they got a couple starters who are out. I know they're uh, – Defensive lineman Chris Jones did not play against Green Bay. Um, he was a pro bowler last year. I think he had 14, 14 and a half sacks. Uh, defensive end Frank Clark didn't play against Green Bay. Uh, they're one of their starting cornerbacks. Kendall Fuller was out. So they were kind of beat up on defense. Um, yeah, they haven't had a great defense in recent years. Um, they kind of have the bend but don't break approach, kind of like we mentioned earlier. You know, They kind of allow yards. Um, and most of their games seem like they're kind of shootouts. You know, where they kind of rely on the offense. Um, but they have some talent. I mean, they have uh, Matthew. He came over from Houston. Um, you know, he's kind of a leader back there in the secondary. Um, they got a couple of young linebackers that, that are playing well. But I think it's a unit that we can have success again if we keep it balanced, like we've talked about. Yeah, the Vikings, when, when you go against a shootout with the Minnesota Vikings, I think you're, you're in for a treat because I think the, the defense is going to do a pretty good job. A lot of times this season, teams aren't scoring more than 21 points against us. So if Kirk can go out on the road, score the 21-point total that we always look at, I think there's a good chance that the Vikings win the game. Yeah, and I think, you know, defensively, if they want to show up for a big matchup like this with all of those weapons and prove that they are one of the top defenses in the league. As far as the Chiefs' defense goes here, though, too, you know, they've only had six interceptions and five fumble recoveries for the entire season at this point. It's kind of weird, uh, I think, for them because – Andy Reid's teams, it seems like, have always been more offensive-focused and defensively they've been a little bit more leaky. If they want to go with the shootout, it works really well when you have Patrick Mahomes. When you don't, I think it's going to be more difficult. At the same point, you know, with the weapons, they can kind of do what they need to moving forward. What I think for us is there are going to be uh, places that we can exploit that. Watching that Green Bay game, I was kind of paying attention to, to line play and, and just trying to figure out, like, how was Green Bay attacking them? And one of the things with Jones, when he would get to the outside corner, they had three guys blocking on the outside edge. And as soon as Jones saw that block, he hit that thing and he just took off on those long plays. And the whole time I'm watching this, I'm going, Delvin Cook, if we can do that, is going to be busting big, big plays in this game. And not only getting to the edge like that, but I think if you can do that and also get him into the screen game, it looked like they were susceptible to that as well. I think Dalvin Cook is going to be able to have some fun in this game if we can do that to him. 
And um, I'll be curious to see, you know, how Stefanski and those guys game plan this one. Yeah, they're definitely going to attack that that Chiefs defense. I would expect of Kevin Stefanski, and I definitely expect them to rely heavily on Dalvin Cook. The Vikings will be at the Chiefs at 12 p.m. That game is a Fox game, so make sure to tune into that. It's a good thing for the Vikings that they've had about a week and a half to get ready for this Kansas City Chiefs team. Preparing for two quarterbacks can definitely be tough. All right, let's move forward to the top five question. Producer Jay Nelson comes up with these categories every week. They're always fun to talk about, and this week he went with the top five defenses in the NFL. So all three of us are going to go through our top five, and we're going to start with our guest of the week, Eric Smith. All right, I'll start it off here. I am going with the Buffalo Bills. They aren't coming off a great game. They they gave up a good amount of points against Philly, um, but I think they're a tough, tough-nosed defense. Um, you know, they play uh, New England twice a year. They they played New England well earlier in the year, uh, but they couldn't get the win. Number four, I have the Vikings. Uh, I think we have the potential to be a top-two defense. I think we've been good to really good. So far in 2019, we haven't been great. Uh, I think there's area to improve. You know, we're third in the league with points per game allowed at 16.5. Uh, sometimes we're a little slow to start the game. Uh, we kind of give up opening drive touchdowns quite a bit, and then we get settled in. We're obviously good on third down. Uh, but, yeah, I have the Vikings at number four. Uh, number three, I have the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they are number two against the run in the NFL, number four on third down. That team has kind of shifted their identity, I think, in recent years. They used to be all offense, no defense. Their offense is obviously still very good, but their defense is getting much better. Uh, Cam Jordan uh, is, a, is a great pass rusher. So they got some good guys on the back end in the secondary. So I have them at number three. Uh, number two, I have the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they are number one against the pass. They're only giving up like 129 yards per game, which is just incredible. Uh, they're giving up less than 100 yards rushing per game. It feels like every one of their defensive linemen was the top five pick. Uh, Nick Bosa, I mean, he's a rookie, but I mean, he's playing like a 10-year veteran. He's playing out of his mind. He had that, that interception on Sunday. Uh, and the number one, no surprise, uh, New England. Um, their strength of schedule hasn't been great, but they've taken advantage of that. They have 19 interceptions so far in eight games. They have 25 takeaways. They've only only allowed two passing touchdowns in eight games, which is just incredible. And obviously they're led by Bill Belichick, which kind of gives you the leg up on anyone. Yeah, that well, your list was pretty good because I'm like right on par with what Eric has. Do you I'm wanna, pretty close to. Do, it, do yeah. you want to go first, Jay? Sure, that's fine. So um, it's very similar, very similar names at the same point. Uh, just a little bit of a difference for me. I've actually got the Vikings at number five. Um, I, it's kind of weird. I know, I know. <laughs> Come on, Jay. I love the Vikings. I trust me, I do, and I love this defense. At the same point, just kind of looking through statistically. If you want to go through the numbers, there's a reason why I had them at five. But when I went th- went through and kind of broke it down, I mean, this Vikings defense has only given up 132 points so far this year in eight games, which is pretty pretty good. 5.1 yards per play, 13 turnovers, including eight interceptions in there too. So. I had to put him down there trying to be realistic here, and I had him at number five. Um, Number four, actually, I still have Chicago in there at number four. Main reason why I have Chicago in there at number four was because when they are dominant, they are dominant. There is – they have 122 points given up this year. They've only given up 2,216 yards. Uh, it's basically five yards of play. They have 11 turnovers and five five interceptions. It's not the same Bears defense yeah, as the say, last couple years. They're not as dominant, though. That is correct. I mean, last year they were just off the rails. Yes. And this year they're still good. But, but I think part of the problem that the Bears are having this year, too, is the defense is holding up their end of the bargain. The offense is not. And I think when the defense Agreed. is constantly on the field at this point, it's hard to it, kind of that whole bend but don't break and getting tired at the end of games and that kind of stuff. It just feels like if the offense isn't scoring points and they're not moving the ball and they're not controlling the clock, it's not giving them a chance to get rest and be what they can be as dominant as they are. But I still feel like when the Bears are the Bears and they're playing well, that defense is absolutely nasty, especially given the game that we had earlier this year. So we'll find out week 17 kind of what they are and where they are at the end of the year and in general where the team is. But for right me, now, I they're still, in last place. Exactly. So at this point, I still had the Bears defense as being number four. Uh, number three, I had the Bills. Um, basically in there, same kind of thing. They have the exact same amount of points given up as the Bears, 122. 
part of the thing with the Bills is their two losses that they've had offensively, what they've given up, um, it's been you know noticeable where everything else has basically been shut down at that point. Uh, 11 turnovers with six interceptions, and that Bills defense has, has been, I think, part of the reason why they've been as successful as they have so far this year. And then number two, same thing as what you had. I had the Niners as well. They've given up 77 total points, 16 turnovers with 10 interceptions in there. Like you said, they're loaded at talent now. You know, The defense for the Niners had been leaky for, for many years, and uh, one thing with Lynch taking over as the GM – that team has definitely loaded up on defense. Number one, Patriots, 61 points, 1,872 total yards for the year. That's my top five at this point. I'm pretty similar to you guys. I'll go through quick because you guys already touched on most of them. I have number five, the Buffalo Bills, with the season that they're having. It's led by their defense. Number four, I have the Chicago Bears. I have to support some of those tough defenders on that team, Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, uh, the big man in the middle. You got to you got to watch out for 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 the Chicago Bears always. I know the record isn't great. I attribute that a little more to the other side of the ball. Number three, Minnesota Vikings. I think that this team's defense has pretty much been the strong suit for the team throughout the season with the up and the down of the offense. So you got to give number three to the Vikings. Number two, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. Eric, you referenced the play of Bosa. Um, he had an incredible game last week against the Carolina Panthers. Three sacks, which he just completely decimated the Panthers' offensive line. And then the play that you referenced where he picked the ball up in the middle of the air, caught it, and then ran it for like 50 yards. Um, I think that was the best defensive play I've seen all season from any player on defense. So that was Incredible. I think he's one of the best young defenders in the NFL. And number one, I hate to do it. I hate to do it so much. Your favorite team. But the New England Patriots are the number one defense right now. The point differential is through the roof with with all the teams that they're playing. Um, It's unbelievable what they're doing, the interceptions they're making, and the fact that they only had two passing touchdowns the whole season. That's amazing. I think we all had at least four of the same teams in there. There we go. So we can all huddle up and, and feel good about our, our, our uh, numbers at this one. We'll have to get Wobbies whenever he gets back here and just to say he'll come back in and he'll just completely blow us out of the water at this point, right? Yeah, Wobby, we always have the debates with the top five. <laughs> so he always thinks he's he's right over everybody. So we, we, no, we, try, to, we try to represent him pretty well. All right, next is our favorite segment of all the segments, and it's the fan voicemail segment. Earlier last week, we asked the fans who will be the next Minnesota Viking to join the Ring of Honor. We just had Steve Jordan, the leading tight end in Vikings history, join the Ring of Honor last week on Thursday night in front of a national audience. It was an awesome scene. His son Cam, who plays for the New Orleans Saints, was able to be in attendance wearing his Pro Bowl jersey from back in the day. That was that made its way through social media. So congratulations to Steve Jordan, Jay. Yes, this is your topic yes. right here. Yes, you it went is. you went and did the research on the Ring of Honor. You talked to the people that you had to talk to. So kind of explain what it takes for a Vikings legend to make the Ring of Honor. So there's kind of a base criteria. The base criteria is essentially you are eligible the year before your Hall of Fame eligibility. So typically Hall of Fame eligibility is five years after you are you have completed your NFL career. Um, so technically that would make us basically four years after you are done playing football. It all comes down to as long as you keep prolonging your career, moving from team to team to team, that also extends how long it takes for you to get into the Hall of Fame and technically for us as well, the Ring of Honor. Once those guys are eligible, then there is an internal committee here at the Vikings and they go through and review essentially all the players that are eligible at this point and how they represented the Vikings when they were part of it. So it's a cool process, and I think it's really kind of a good way and a good tip of the cap by the the organization to give guys recognition for the fact that they meant something to not only the fans and the league itself, but they represented the team the right way, not only here internally but also in the community. All right, let's go to our first fan with their suggestion for the next Vikings Ring of Honor. Hey, Wabi and Chris, this is Garrett from Green Bay, and my pick would probably go to coach them because, I mean, I'd love to see it this year, but I think it's coming in the near future, finally getting one of those Super Bowl rings. Just the way the team has been playing and leading under him and just his record, I definitely think when it happens, he's going to have his name up there with some of the Vikings greats. So, yeah, Skull Vikings. 
I think it's going to be a long time before Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer uh, is eligible for the Ring of Honor. He's 53-34. and 34. Thanks for the stat from Jay Nelson. He just passed Jerry Burns for third on the Vikings all-time, uh, all-time list, which, yeah, I think he's putting up the, the record to be there, but hopefully there's a few others who get there before him. Yeah, and if, if Coach Zimmer wins the Super Bowl when he's the coach here in Minnesota, he can get his name up there. He can have a statue. He can do whatever he wants. I think it'll be a shoe in at that point. It, 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 you know, it comes down to longevity on some of these guys and the fact that if you look at the two guys that are ahead of him, you have Dennis Green and Bud Grant. Those guys are institutions here, and they were here for a long time with a lot of success. I think Zimmer's on the road at this point in order to get to that point. And uh, like like you're saying, I hope it it gets delayed years and years at this point and we just keep having continued success with Zimmer and, and you know go get that Lombardi and if you do that I think you're a shoo-in at that point. All right let's take our next caller's suggestion. Howdy Vikings Nation it's Vikings oh fan in Fort Worth Texas again the Vikings mouth of the south. If you could see me right now you'd see me kicking it with my purple pup tugboat a proud English Bulldog fan of our Minnesota Vikings. Now as English Bulldogs tend to do he's just drooling at a chance to get at those Kansas City Chiefs this Sunday. We both want to see our Vikings chew up the Chiefs like one of Tugboat's chew toys and route to a KC masterpiece. Now you just hold up right there, mister. I won't stand for all this disrespectful talk about my Kansas City Chiefs. Now this may not be the 70s anymore, and nobody wears bell bottoms, and Arrowhead is usually the place where the Chiefs play hop hopes, gonna die, but we were good back then. Well, my name isn't Hank Stram. I just keep yelling, come on, Lenny, pump it in there, baby. Just keep matriculating the ball down the field, boys. And that worked against your purple people eaters, Van. I can't imagine what I could have done with a player like our guy, Patrick Mahomes. Tell them, Patrick, what you do? Well, first off, I continue my endless search for some new cynics to clear up my voice. Second of all, I try to think of a happy place. Van, Van, Van. Instead of the thought of that Vikings defense smothering me like barbecue sauce on some Kansas City ribs. I'm sick of having to call my Mahomie Aaron Rodgers in the middle of the night after waking up from another Everson Griffin nightmare. What would help is if I had another great wide receiver like Vikings legend Anthony Carter. He was a legend first in Michigan and also starred for the Vikings. He should be the next player in their ring of honor. If I could get some AC in case the I'd be sad. Wobby and Chris, you heard it there from Fozzie Bear, uh, um, Patrick Mahomes. Now, I also hear you're coming to my city. Myself and my fellow DFW Vikings fans would love to meet you guys. We'll, of course, be showing all those Cowboy fans what real tailgating looks like before the game. So definitely come see us, fellas. And skull. Van right. gives a lot of effort All into right, these calls. Man. That guy a regular on here? 100%. <laughs> he is that guy was great. 100%. Van, Van is a, a regular every single week. We always get a call from Van. And, you know, felt bad a couple times because the amount of work and effort that he puts into this stuff when we go through it, we haven't been able to use it just in general because we've had other stuff going on or we've had more of the, the emails versus voicemail kind of thing. But, yeah, Van is an institution at this point. One of the things I will say, Van, I, I I don't know if you needed to clear your voice because of the Casey masterpiece, uh, but that was a little bit more of Louis Armstrong than I think it was Patrick Mahomes <laughs> at this point. Uh, I'm ready for a little uh, Wonderful World uh, rendition coming here. Well, we had Van with his crazy offensive call. We had another fan earlier with the head coach, and now we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Nuno from Arlington Heights, Illinois. So this might be a long shot. I realize that, but uh, uh, one of my favorite uh, cornerbacks of all time is Antoine Winfield, and um, I think he considers uh, he, he he may uh, have some considerations because first of all, we don't have a cornerback in the uh, Ring of Honor, um, but I've never seen a cornerback um, before or since control the line of scrimmage like Antoine Winfield did. He was really good at that. And you can tell just by looking at how many tackles he has. I mean, the guy is a cornerback. You don't see cornerbacks have that many tackles, and he had a ton of tackles. Um, I think he spent like nine years with the Vikings, and I think he deserves some consideration. Um, Although I realize that cornerbacks are 
um, probably not going to get in there, but uh, that would be my pick. So uh, thanks for the topic, and Skull Vikings. What a call. That's a great educated call. Three-time Pro Bowler, 50 greatest Vikings um, when they were honored that year, 1,054 tackles, um, 14 forced fumbles. I mean, he had a hell of a career with the Vikings, and that's a really educated call. I think that's the thing is these last two guys that you brought up were both institutions on those teams that they played for. Anthony Carter, you know, there's the ACCC connection when Chris Carter came in as well. Those two guys were were definitely a tandem that had to be dealt with. Anthony Carter, you know, was was MVP at Michigan when he was in college and, and a top flight pick. And then when he came in, he was a three-time Pro Bowler. He was on this team from 85 to 93. 50 greatest Vikings, 486 receptions, 7,733 receiving yards with 55 touchdowns. Anthony Carter was definitely a guy I remember as a kid who was just a standout on this offense working with you know Kramer and, and Wade Wilson and those kind of guys. And then you shift over to Antoine Winfield. I mean, Antoine defensively was that shutdown corner on the edge. His reaction, being able to read – a quarterback or just the play in general and be able to read if it was going to be a, a quick out or if it was going to be a run play. He, I think he recognized faster than anybody what was happening on a given play when you would watch him. And then his forced fumbles, he had 11 forced fumbles, 27 interceptions, and five defensive touchdowns. Antoine Winfield, the smile, he was one of my favorite players on those uh, late 90s and 2000s defenses. Looking forward to next week. You know that we have another question for you guys to to answer, and it's a good one from Jay Nelson. Um, Show 15 question. Now that we have the first half of the season over, we're sitting at 6-2, and two, taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. What record do you think the Vikings will finish with? If you have them making playoffs – what seed will they be? We'll go over the playoff standings really quick. Number one in the NFC is the San Francisco 49ers at 7-0. and zero. Number two is the New Orleans Saints at 7-1. and one. Number three is the Green Bay Packers, the leaders of the, the NFC North at 7-1. and one. Number four is the Dallas Cowboys at 4-3, and three, the weaker division of the NFC East. Number five is the Seattle Seahawks at 6-2. and two. And number six is your Minnesota Vikings at 6-2 and two as well. Um, trailing just outside the playoff race is the LA Rams at 5-3 and three and the Carolina Panthers at 4-3. and three. You know the number. It's 952-918-8438. To leave a call again, it's 952-918-8438. We have a lot of Vikings programming for you this week on the radio, starting with Under Center with Kirk Cousins, as we mentioned. Kyle Brandt of Good Morning Football joined the show. A lot of dad jokes, a touchdown celebration recommendation. He was awesome. You can hear that on KFAN at 6 to 7 p.m. on Tuesday night. And if you missed the live show, you can catch it on all of the Vikings platforms, so stay tuned for that. Per usual, every Wednesday you'll have this Minnesota Vikings podcast on all of the Vikings platforms. Thanks again to Eric for joining this week. And Skull Stories this week, we have a special guest, Jared Allen, will be the guest as Mark Rosen hears from Jared Allen, who tells stories of his time with the Vikings and was a member of the Chiefs as well. What a guest for Skull Stories this week. And we'll finish it off on Friday with Vikings Final Prep. That will be on KFAN at 6.30 to 7 p.m. And we'll bring all the best sounds and sights from the TCO Performance Center as the Vikings get set to take on the Chiefs. That is the damage that we have done for Week 9 of the regular season. The Vikings are in a good spot at 6-2. They take on the Kansas City Chiefs at 12 p.m. Central Time on Fox. You can catch the Vikings taking on either Matt Moore at quarterback or Patrick Mahomes. Eric, I want to thank you for joining for your hometown team, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, thank you, Jay, for all the work that you do with, with, with the entire outline of the show and being able to use your voice this week. I appreciate getting the chance on here and, and uh, very much look forward to Wabi being back next week. Awesome, yeah. Hopefully we get Wabi back. We have to replace him with two of our best here at the Vikings Entertainment Network. But we will see you next week and Skull Vikings.